Welcome to Tibet Talks, a podcast series from the International Campaign for Tibet. You are about to hear the recording of a live conversation. We hope you enjoy the show. And welcome to Tibet Talks. I'm Ashwin Verghese of the International Campaign for Tibet. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. It has been a busy month at ICT. Just this week, we held our annual Tibet Lobby Day right here in Washington, D.C., and it was an unprecedented success. We'll have more to say on that in just a few moments. This has been a significant month for us in other ways, too, as we also recognized the 64th anniversary of the March 10th, 1959 Tibetan National Uprising against Chinese rule. On that day, more than six decades ago, the Tibetan people rose up as one to protect their leader, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, and resist China's brutal occupation of their homeland. After several days of bravery by the Tibetan people, Chinese troops eventually crushed their uprising, leading to China's eventual complete takeover of Tibet, which persists to this day. However, the Tibetans succeeded in protecting their leader, His Holiness, and helping him escape into exile. In fact, tomorrow, March 31st, marks the 64th anniversary of the Dalai Lama reaching safety in India, where he has kept the Tibetan Nikalas alive ever since. His Holiness will be turning 88 this year, and it has been his consistent position that the question of Tibet must be resolved peacefully through dialogue. His middle way approach continues to guide Tibetans in this pursuit of a peaceful solution for Tibet. During the 2000s, the Dalai Lama's envoys met for several rounds of dialogue with Chinese officials. But since 2010, no formal dialogue has taken place. After 64 years, it is time to resolve China's illegal occupation of Tibet. Fortunately, there is a new bill in Congress that aims to put the focus on getting the dialogue process back on track. It's called the Promoting a Resolution to the Tibet-China Conflict Act and it was just reintroduced last month in both the House and the Senate by both Democratic and Republican members of Congress. This bipartisan bill offers hope to find a long overdue resolution to the Tibet-China conflict, and it will be the focus of today's Tibet talk. But first, as I mentioned earlier, we just completed our 2023 Tibet Lobby Day, and it was a huge success. To give you all the details about that, I'd like to welcome my ICT colleague and Tibet Talk co-host, Tencho Getso, to the show. Tencho hello. Thank you. Welcome back. As I just mentioned, we just finished Tibet Lobby Day earlier this week. So uh, you were obviously instrumental in leading that. Can you please tell our audience what the event actually was and what happened during Tibet Lobby Day this year? Thanks, Ashwin. It was um, for, so we had Tibet Lobby Day here Monday and Tuesday, March and 28th. Uh, this year, Lobby Day is a, a program that we started in 2009 originally, trying to, at that time, it was, um, we had seen widespread protests across the Tibetan region, 
and we were trying to come up with a way to uh, highlight Tibet in a new way for our members. And then we knew there were a large number of Tibetan Association, Tibetan Americans um, in the United States, and we thought maybe there would be a way to use the constituent um, factor uh, in and bring members to lobby Congress directly to Washington, D.C. So we started the program in 2009, and uh, we had almost 100 people then who came to Washington, D.C. to meet with their members of Congress. It was a huge success. And after that, um, we started doing it every year annually. And this year, it is our 15th year of Tibet Lobby Day. And uh, we had almost 160 participants from uh, 23 states coming here. We saw the difference between the first year in 2009 and now I think is we have a lot more experienced people who come back. We don't have to tell them what to do. They come here, they know exactly what they want, what they're supposed to do. But we also have a lot of newcomers as well. And this year, especially we saw a lot of younger Tibetan Americans and friends coming advocate for Tibet and that um, brings a lot of energy. And this year we were, we also timed it coincidentally the Congressional Executive Commission on China held a hearing on Tuesday on the, on the topic of preserving Tibet, combat, combating cultural erasure, forced assimilation, and transnational repression, where our chairman, Mr. Richard Gere, was one of the witnesses. The Kyung Pempatsirina, the head of the Central Tibetan Administration in Dharamsala, joined us virtually from Dharamsala and also presenting a very important um, report were Thajun uh, Tsetong and Den Tsetong from Tibet Action Institute. And I think having the hearing in conjunction with um, Tibet Lobby Day offered a lot of these young Tibetans to come and listen and was inspiring for them as well. And then the day ended with another big event because there was also a press conference with the lead sponsors of the Promoting uh, Resolution to Tibet-China Crisis uh, Act, which included Senators uh, Young and Senator Merkley, and Representative McGovern and Representative McCall, so showing another bipartisan support for Tibet. And many of the lobby day participants also were able to attend that hearing. We had uh, very palpable energy there in front of Congress. Alongside this, we had since our chairman, Mr. Richard Gere, was in town, we also had meetings for him. So he we were able to meet with Representative Namgyal and our ICT team. We uh, had a meeting, uh, first meeting with our Speaker McCarthy. We also met with Jeffries and uh, Speaker Emerita Nancy Pelosi. So on the whole, we had very good meetings on Monday and Tuesday here on Capitol Hill. Thanks so much, Sanchala. And uh, it really was an incredible event. As you mentioned, there were many different parts of it and all of them were phenomenal success. So our big thanks to everybody who took part in Tibet Lobby Day. And uh, in fact, now we do, uh, Tibet, you know, Tibet Lobby Day brought out a diverse group of supporters for Tibet. It is critically important that our congressional leaders hear directly from their constituents. That's one of the most important things uh, we're trying to get any piece of legislation passed. So we'd like now to uh, show you a video of some of the participants in this year's Tibet Lobby Day. 
And we asked them, why does this piece of legislation, the Promoting a Resolution to the Tibet-China Conflict Act, which is also known as the Resolve Tibet Act, why is that important? And so we talked to a few different people from different states and different backgrounds, and let's take a listen to what they had to say. Hi, my name is Yang Zilman, and I'm with Tibet, and I came from uh, Boston, Massachusetts this year for Tibet Lobby Day. And I think this bill is important to pass um, because it sends a really strong, clear message to China that the U.S. government believes that China-Tibet conflict has not been resolved, and that we will continue that the U.S. government will continue to have Tibet people's support throughout the years. Hey everybody, my name is Lunal Zaluri, I'm a Virginian, and we're here today to lobby for the Tibet-China Conflict Act with a few congressmen and senators. And basically what the Tibet-China Conflict Act is here to support the Tibetan people, their, sovereign, their sovereignty and their nationality, and to help all of those Tibetan refugees out there, and this is all for them. Hi, my name is Tenzin Rangel, and I'm from Northern California. And this is the sixth time that I've attended the Tibet Lobby Day. Now, this bill is particularly important because through this bill, we are trying to uh, stop the propaganda from the Chinese government that uh, Tibet has been an uh, illegal part of China, which is not the case. Hello, my name is Tenzin Kunsung, and I'm from Chicago. Um, I think that this bill is the next crucial step because it brings the Chinese to the negotiating table and holds them accountable for the many human rights they've violated. Hi, my name is Tenzin Yamabaya. Um, I'm from Illinois, Chicago. Um, why I think this um, bill is important is because I think that China this is the next step for China to finally be held accountable for their actions and also atrocity that are committed to my name is Dutchin Atheting. I'm from Chicago, Illinois, and I think this bill is important to pass for the United States at the forefront of the international community to address and combat the ongoing cultural genocide in Tibet. They said it really was wonderful to see so many Tibetan Americans and Tibet supporters here in DC for Tibet Lobby Day. And uh, as you can see, that we had a lot of young faces this year as well, which you know is something that really gives us a lot of optimism for the future of the Tibet movement. As you can hear from the participants, the Resolve Tibet Act is extremely important to Tibetan Americans and Tibet supporters. And today, we are pleased to be joined by two guests who are working very hard to get this bill passed in Congress. Our first guest today is no stranger to ICT, as we have the great honor to work very closely with him and his staff at the Office of Tibet in Washington, D.C. Our guest is the representative of His Holiness the Dalai Lama and the Central Tibetan Administration to North America. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Namgil Chodop. Namgila Tashidale, welcome to Tibet Talks. Thank you. Thank you, Ashwin, for your kind words. And thank you for inviting me to ICT's Tibet Talks. Well, we're very excited to have you here. I think this is your first appearance on the show, although we all know you well, so it's great to have you. Uh, We're also joined now by our second guest, who is another one of Tencho's and my colleagues at ICT. In fact, he's the, government, he's the Government Relations Director at ICT. Please join me in welcoming Franz Matzner. Franz, welcome back to the show. Hello, everybody. It's always a delight to do this, and I want to extend another thank you to Namgyal for being here. It's been um, We've been working together now since he since he joined here in D.C., and it's been an utmost pleasure uh, working him as a, as a colleague and a friend. So thank you, Namgyal, for being here. Thank you, Brad. 
Well, thank you both. We're so excited to have you both here to talk about this really important piece of legislation and where we are with it and what comes next. So Franz, let's start with you actually. For people who are not that familiar with the bill, can you tell us what the Resolve Tibet Act actually does? So there are a lot of components to this piece of legislation that are uh, built on the overall message and the overall policy shift that we're hoping to see by getting this uh, passed through both chambers and signed by the president as soon as possible. The way I look at this um, and that we've been talking about it is uh, that there's a lot of existing really strong legislation um, already in place, I guess I should say laws already in place that the United States has taken the leadership in the world to drive, um, but also that ICT and many other supporters played an instrumental role in um, getting from the start to the finish. And th this piece of legislation is sort of, it builds on that foundation, but it also offers a patch, like a, like a program that needs to have another component added to update it. Um, so it meets the current needs and the current situation. And so specifically what the legislation does is, as uh, my colleagues have said, it makes very clear that the United States position is that this is unresolved. Right? This is very important because there's a huge amount of propaganda that flows out of the Chinese government's machine that there is no issue here, right? It's kind of like nothing to see here, nothing to see here while all these atrocities are happening right there for all of us to see behind behind their back. But they do a really, really aggressive way of using their their resources and um, both overtly and sometimes nefariously to hide the facts that what we all know, Tibet was never part of China, despite how many times they want to claim it. Um, and that's really the only line of argument they ever put forward is that, oh, well, everything's fine because Tibet has been part of China for ancient times. Um, of course, as my colleague said, that's factually incorrect. Um, his and the CTA and His Holiness and all of us, it's ICT and beyond, um, are working against that. And to make clear that there's only one way to resolve this, that we need to get back to the negotiating table. The Chinese government has to take that seriously. And what this particular piece of legislation does is it makes it absolutely clear that the United States will not consider this resolved and will continue to support the Tibetan people far into the future. And that means, which is the ideal, that the negotiation and the settlement happen now with His Holiness and designees. Um, and that is the most, um, most likely path forward in the imminent future. It will be the easiest way to come to an agreement, a mutually beneficial agreement. However, it's also very important, particularly now with what's happening with under Xi Jinping, to make it clear that the United States support will never waver, whether the negotiation happens now as it should with His Holiness or next year or 50 years from now, we will never give up, just like the Tibetan people will never give up in moving forward toward being able to sustain and thrive with their culture. And one other important thing, there is a lot of other provisions in here, but I wanna focus on what I consider the two most important, and I think that all of us do, and we're hearing it from Congress as well. The second one is countering, actively countering all the disinformation that 
China continues to push about his holiness. We all know that their line, I would use a different term, but their line is that his holiness is somehow a threat. Here is a man who spent his entire life preaching peace and love and harmony, and they consider him a threat. And they put out all kinds of attacks on him and, uh, and Tibetans in general. And so now we're empowering the special coordinator for Tibet and mandating that there be a concentrated and consistent effort to debunk and combat that propaganda. So those are the two pieces that I think are most salient. And I wanted to highlight those. Thank you, Franz, for that very helpful explanation of the bill. Uh, as you said, it touches on a lot of different points. And uh, that's something that we are uh, all of us working very hard to uh, get past. And so Namgyala, Franz has kind of provided us with a summary of what the bill does. Um, I was wondering, can you tell us in your capacity, you are the uh, representative of His Holiness in the CTH North America. Can you tell us why the Resolve Tibet Act is so important? Thank you, uh, Ashwin, and thank you, Franz, for that really elaborate um, explanation of uh, what this bill is about. And for CTA, this bill is very important. Uh, so we have had uh, nine rounds of talk uh, between 2002 and 2010, and since then there's been a stalemate. And the situation inside Tibet has gone from bad to worse. Basically, whatever nominal autonomy the Tibetans used to enjoy is being reversed and eroded. And now we see that China or Beijing doesn't respect its own constitution and its laws and, and, and the residential schools, the surveillance restriction and, and uh, how Tibet is virtually locked down today. And this bill we see it's as kind of like taking uh, the United States government uh, support for the Tibet uh, cause one step further and basically calling out Beijing for what it's doing. And, and, and uh, uh, this bill is really crucial to, to kind of like really bringing Beijing to the negotiating table. That's how CTA looks at it. Thank you, Namgyala. And to that, I wanted to ask you also a question. We just had Tibet uh, Lobby Day here, and we had a lot of Tibetan Americans here. They came and met with you as well. So, and you've been traveling around with the Sikong to a number of Tibetan um, communities here in North America. And uh, what are you hearing from people? How, how has the response been to how Tibetans are viewing this bill? Because whatever Congress does, Ultimately, it has to be of benefit to the Tibetans. So uh, how are you, what is the response you've heard? Thank you. Thank you, uh, Tenjula. Yeah, it's a great question. So, so I should uh, mention in the beginning that uh, ICT and Office of Tibet, even though we are different organizations, our mission is basically the same. And I'm so glad that uh, we were able to work together. And actually, this, this uh, Tibet Lobby Day, it's just a product of how we successfully work together. And you're absolutely right. When Si Kiong visited uh, many of the Tibetan communities, he was basically telling the uh, Tibetans now who are citizens of this country to do their part. And in that sense, uh, the, the response, I mean, we see a huge record number of participants this time. And also I should uh, credit uh, Congressman Jip McGovern when he uh, spoke to the Tibetan community in New York basically saying that we have done our part now. It's for the Tibetans and our leaders to do our part. And we see that. 
So, and, and our community is really, in a sense, really pumped up and they're really uh, happy to see how we are working together because our common um, goal is the same. And, and we see that. And also we see that reaction from the many of the Congress members on the Hill and during the press conference, how they were really impressed. So this is a great thing. And, and the Tibetan community uh, on the whole is really charged and we want to kind of like continue our best. And, and, and I want to uh, congratulate uh, Tenjula uh, for, for taking over the leadership. And I look forward to working together and more successes along the line. Yeah, thank you. No, thank you. As you say, it's not the work we have before us is not easy, but having everyone together and working together collaboratively and happy, smiling, that makes all the difference in making, you know, things uh, easier for us. So, Franz, I want to ask you a question also. Um, so, we all hear from Congress and this bill is there, that bill is there, and we come and we act for these. But what, how important are these bills actually and what impact will it have? And also, how, you know, how are our listeners here? How can they uh, make, you know, be part of it, uh, making an impact also? There's a lot in that question, Tenjo. <laughs> uh, so let me see if I can start at the top. Um, we sort of and definitely heard from Namyala how important this is and how motivating it is to the Tibetan community. I want to, from my perspective, highlight two aspects of that. And one is the impact of the genuineness of all of the lobbyists that came in. All of our volunteers came to Washington, D.C. They came here on their own dime, at least most of the time, if not always. And that says something about how committed the entire community is. I was uh, overjoyed to work with so many young Tibetan Americans who were taking time out. I won't say skipping school, but they were coming here to make a difference. And you can see it. There's a lot of folks, as you said, coming up, lots of different associations coming to Congress. And, you know, they come in and out of those offices uh, with different policies. But what you see and feel with our community is that staffers and members of Congress respond to that human warmth. And even as these terrible atrocities are happening, the fact that the Tibetan community can come in with both need and smiles and, and you know, really raise the urgency is motivating and you can see it. Um, that's what distinguishes the community and, and allows uh, that kind of personal relationship that gets things done. And I just wanted to put that out there at the top. As far as the impact of the legislation kind of touched on that, I'll only, you know, add one piece, which is that ultimately, this would represent a strengthening of the United States position on Tibet, a, not a remarkable change. I think this is important to note because the United States has always supported the Tibetan community and His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. But as I mentioned earlier, we need to adapt to what's really happening there and around the world. There's an opportunity to take a, a stronger step forward and to make it clear that this isn't going to stop just because Xi Jinping takes a certain action or wait, waits it out, they're playing a waiting game. The United States has to neutralize that by saying, we're, we, you can't wait. You got to come to the table now because we're not going to stop asking and urging and working hard. 
And that ultimately, I believe, is what this legislation is about. When it's signed by President Biden, we'll, we'll be able to um, make that clear to, to China. And, and one other thing that I think is very important is time and time again, the United States has led the world on this issue. And as strong as the United States and clear the United States can be on this, can't do it alone. China is exerting a huge amount of financial and other pressure globally. Um, so we need like-minded countries, countries that are sympathetic to the Tibetan people and want to stand up for democracy um, to do their part and all work together. Taking this step as the United States uh, will send yet another signal that it's time and that the United States has an open door uh, to everybody to come in and work together. Uh, I don't remember what the third part was, but what can everybody do to go from here? I could go into all kinds of technical details about where the bill is and committee votes and all that, but ultimately it doesn't matter because the number one thing that all of us can do is keep going. Lobby day is the beginning of something. Now keep going, right? Pour that passion in quoting our chairman every day, every week, every month, every year. Change is slow, but real change is slow perfunctory surface change you can get. But we need to move forward and that means I'll give you some concretes. Whether you came to Lobby Day or not, you can continue to reach out to your members of Congress by phone, email, and letter. You don't need to have a petition, you can do it on your own. Uh, you can send materials or stop by your local office. It really works. That message gets passed on up the chain and you can reach out to your using your own social media and maybe Ashwin wants to come in in detail on this, but you can reach out to the local press and share your stories and continue to say why this is important. And lastly, one handwritten postcard or letter is worth a thousand emails. So keep that in mind. One postcard in your own handwriting with your own address on it is worth a thousand emails. That's my summary. Thank you, Franz. Namila, as we've discussed, this is a bipartisan piece of legislation, and the Reciprocal Access to Tibet Act in 2018 and the Tibetan Policy and Support Act of 2020 were also bipartisan bills. What does it say that members of Congress from both parties have worked so hard on Tibet these past few years, and what kind of message do you think that sends? Great question, and, and uh, yes, you are absolutely right. Uh, as uh, uh, Franz mentioned, uh, this bill doesn't call for a lot change or doesn't change, but it cuts like uh, building upon on on the what's the basically the the first historic uh, I mean law passed on Tibet Policy Act of 2002. Then we had the reciprocal access Tibet Act in 2018, and finally the 2020 Policy and Support Act. And this was the latest bill is kind of building on that and, and, uh, tying some of the loose ends. And, and as you mentioned, uh, there has been long history of bipartisan institutional support for the Tibet cause. And it's largely due to His Holiness visionary leadership. And also, I mean, as His Holiness always say, people who support Tibet are neither what's a pro Tibet or anti China, but basically pro truth or pro justice. And basically, Tibet issue is that. That's why we see this huge bipartisan support uh, on the Congress and among the American public. Now, this bill council sets the record state by, by I mean, uh, adapting to what the France says, some of the uh, changes 
uh, or the policy uh, that that uh, uh, Beijing is implementing in Tibet. In that sense, it's affirmation of support to His Holiness nonviolence and 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 negotiation to a dialogue. And, and uh, the American current American uh, the usual official policy is uh, what's the promotion of uh, what's the dialogue or, or between His Holiness and, or his representative in Beijing in good faith without any preconditions. And this bill is kind of an affirmation of support to that. And in that sense, this bill is really important in setting the record straight and kind of like uh, confirming that the United States uh, government where it stands on, on Tibet issue. And as friend mentioned, I mean, Beijing has taken all this concession, but the uh, and over the last one decade or so, it has not reciprocated in good faith. And uh, as Secretary Anthony Blinken in his address in approach, I mean, uh, laying out his approach to People's Republic of China, he talks about how it's important to defend and reform the rules-based international order. And this bill basically does that. Nothing more than that, nothing less than that. Basically confirms that. And this bill is exactly that, uh, promoting what you say, Dialogue between, between Be Beijing and the, what's would say, uh, His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, his representative in good faith and to resolve this peacefully. And, uh, that's what I, uh, believe, uh, we have had this huge bipartisan support so far. And we look forward to continuing that and building upon it. And this debate could be, as, as Sikyon said, could be an example to, to the rest of the world. And it is China too, how to resolve some of this persistent, uh, conflict or issue. That's what the city alert should look at. Actually, may I add, add something to that? Because I think sure. uh, my, my good friend here is, has, has really raised another point. Bipartisanship. It's not only bipartisan, it's bicameral. We have the House and the Senate leaders coming forth and, and embracing this and saying it's very important. And I just want to pass on one quote from one of the leaders of the bill who proudly stated, and I think notably stated, all of these offices who don't always see things the same way on many other policies or issues can state clearly that this transcends politics and partisanship. As my colleague said, we're standing up all together for truth and peace um, and a better way forward. And one more quote from another legislature saying, off the cuff, my guess is that His Holiness is the most popular leader and recognized leader in the world. That's yes, an, I, it's a powerful statement and yeah. of, of what we have in, in His Holiness. And it also yesterday, was it just yes, day before yesterday, two, two standing at the press conference with the, all the bipartisan, bicameral senators there with Richard and with all the Tibetans, it had a sense of, you know, like, when His Holiness would come to Capitol Hill, it, you had that kind of energy where it was bipartisan, both sides, you know, leadership coming together and that leading to meeting with Leader Jeffries and Speaker McCarthy together. You really got a sense uh, that His Holiness is sending us his energy <laughs> towards uh, getting work done here, that we have, we, you know, we have that blessing. Thank you, Tenjala. That's that's a very nice thought. And you know, as you mentioned, uh, this was a bipartisan, bicameral press conference. We had not only our chairman Richard there, Namgyala was there, and uh, we also had the the four sponsors, four main sponsors of the bill. That was uh, 
Representative Michael McCall, Republican from Texas, Representative Jim McGovern, Democrat from Massachusetts, Senator Jeff Merkley, Democrat, Oregon, and Senator Todd Young, Republican from Indiana. And our big thanks to all of them for taking part in the press conference and for their leadership on the bill. And Franz, to kind of wind things down here, Mr. McCall did uh, make public some assurances that he made to our chairman, Richard Gere, about what's going to happen next with the bill. So can you talk to us a little bit, uh, just give us the kind of an overview of what comes next for the bill and what do we do to, to get this across the finish line? Sure, this uh, might end up being a little bit repetitive um, because uh, it, it, it's it's the same thing for advocacy. So, so the process-wise, the bill is now there in in the House and in the committee. It's the Foreign Affairs Committee. That's that's where bills uh, legislation like this will always go for the committee to consider them first. So the the next step is for Chairman McCall to schedule a markup. Markup means a, a consideration of the bill. And that happens within the committee. And we have definitely heard uh, many times that he is very committed to moving this legislation. He's very invested in it. And so it's a matter of getting it on the calendar, which we, I think, have officially kindly said many times we are waiting uh, eagerly and are there to support it in every way. After it will, we believe, or we are very confident it will come out of committee, then it will continue to grow uh, co-sponsors and support until there's an opportunity to uh, pass it all the way through the house. And again, we're very confident it will, it, it, if everyone uh, continues to put their shoulder behind it. On the Senate side, it's pretty much the same thing. We uh, are very focused on building more support and building more support. And again, looking for an opportunity to pass it into law. There's many different ways to you know get from here to there in Congress. And so what our job is and all the support of yours is to just keep taking bites at the apple, keep trying different avenues until we find the right one. Thank you, Franz. And I know I speak for all of us here when I say that I encourage all of you watching or listening to this program to take action to help pass the results of that act. And one easy thing you can do right away is sign ICT's petition to your members of Congress. And to do that, you go to www.savetibet.org slash resolve to bet. When you're there, you just fill out the form and we'll send your petition to your senators and your representatives, telling them that you want them to sign on to the Resolve to Bet Act. However, as Franz mentioned, uh, petitions are great and we do encourage all of you to do that. But there are lots of other more direct ways that you can also reach out to your congressional offices. So we do encourage you to contact your elected leaders directly. Although Lobby Day is over, you can still call or visit your senators or representatives' offices, including in your local areas, and speak to them about why they should support the bill. And if you want some more information about what this legislation actually does, or you can share that uh, with your congressional offices, please visit www.savetibet.org slash occupation. And we'll share those links in the comment section of our Facebook Live post. So with that, we do want to turn now to audience questions. First, we had uh, a question this morning from a Tibet Lobby Day participant and a longtime friend of ICT, Hillary Levin. Hillary, thank you so much for this question. Question is, in the current political climate, what kind of leverage does the United States have to enforce the Resolve Tibet Act once it's passed into law? And Nam Gilar Franz, I'll open up for either of you who would like to respond to that. 
I, I can give my uh, two cents first and then you can add four. Enforcement of the, of the bill is first and foremost within the United States and as a signal. Everyone, I think, knows that passing this bill, signing it into law, is not the end of a process, right? It is a beginning of the outreach and international communities signal that it's time for China to come back to the table. Is that gonna happen overnight in this particular political situation? There's a lot happening in the world. Uh, we're seeing Xi Jinping position himself to be ever more of a authoritarian, if not totalitarian leader. Uh, and those walls are hard to break down, but we learned from history that they don't last forever. Uh, they will fall. And what we all need to do with this piece of legislation is get the structure in place, as we said, so that China, the rest of the world knows that the United States will never waver on this issue. Uh, and that's what this bill does. And that's what implementation means first and foremost, is getting it passed using it as a tool to build more support and constantly reiterating through our administration year after year and Congress after Congress, however long it takes, that this is our rule of the land and we will never let China dictate the United States domestic policy or international policy. We will detect, dictate our own through democracy. I mean, this whole, uh, if you look at the bigger picture, I mean, it's basically, as I said, a formation of, uh, I mean, support for uh, His Holiness Middleway approach, nonviolence and dialogue. And, and, and I mean, looking at the ongoing, what to say, Russian war over Ukraine and the geopolitical tension, I mean, we see, I mean, we kind of see the, how our world is so interconnected and interdependent today. And China, they, I mean, we want China to be a responsible member of the international community. And, and Beijing, what it does is when it serves its interests, then it talks about the international uh, base, uh, rule-based order. But when it doesn't serve its purpose, it tends to just, uh, discard it. So this bill is a kind of like affirmation of setting down those rules and giving this larger picture of how we avoid those tensions, basically through dialogue. Yeah, nonviolence. I mean, Beijing talks about offering peace plan for Ukraine uh, um, situation. But this is like, this bill kind of like talks about how we can do it through dialogue and good faith. And, and kind of like talking about those rules-based international order that China is signatory to and to upholding that. And we have to stand up for it. And that's how I think we should go forward. And this bill is kind of like uh, is showing us the way forward. And, and it's important that we keep uh, I mean, at it, yeah. Thank, thank you, Nam Gilgala. And yes, yeah, certainly we, we all hope and believe that this piece of legislation and the work that we're doing here will ultimately benefit not only Tibetans, but also the Chinese people as well and the entire world by setting a model. And um, we have another question here that's pretty related. And if you have any other thoughts, you can uh, please share them as well. But the question is from David Patterson. And David asks, if China refuses to cooperate after the bill has passed Congress, what would be the next step to ensure change? So I know that you kind of just addressed that, both of you, but do you have any additional thoughts or anything else as we're kind of getting near the end of the program here? Any other thoughts that you would like to share with our audience? Please go ahead. Um, yeah, please. Okay, sure. Now, if you look at the 
People's Republic of China's behavior. I mean, I would say from 2000, I mean, in the 2000s, I mean, China was changing in a way. But now something happened uh, starting in 2006, as most China experts uh, say. So the party's control and restriction on some of the basic political, which is space and freedom, that's what has happened. And Beijing is in a position today because, uh, I mean, the world uh, accepted it as part of the international community benefited from that order. Today, China is using economic coercion with poor countries and with the international community. And in Tibet, uh, why is China an aspiring global superpower so insecure about Tibet? Because the party knows that it doesn't have any legitimacy. And this bills council strikes at that. Yeah? And this bill is not calling for independence of Tibet, all right, but it's talking about respecting China's own constitution and laws. And if we don't have that, then 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 uh, nothing works. So in that sense, we're putting the onus on Beijing to to do. I mean, really, uh, say what is. I mean, not to just put up the facade of like talking about laws, but really respecting the practice. And not the pre- this bill will set the ball. And the, the People's Republic of China's code and basically show good faith. And if it doesn't do that, then, then you won't have this uh, legitimacy seeking. I think we should look at uh, from that perspective. Yeah. Thank you, Namgyala. And uh, we are running low on time here, but we do have one more comment that I would like to share on uh, from Facebook. It's not a question, but it is a comment. And uh, it's a wonderful comment here from Sarin Pasong who writes, it's so amazing to witness the Tibet advocacy going from strength to strength in the heart of the U.S. government. Thank you so much, ICT and Office of Tibet, Washington, D.C., as well as all Tibetan associations across the country. Tujiche from London. So thank you so much, Sharing Pasanglad. We certainly agree with those sentiments. So thank you very much. And thank you for all of your support around the world for the work that we're doing here. Namgyala, before we run out of time, I do. I would like to take this opportunity since uh, this is your first time on Tibet Talks, but uh, all of us at ICT uh, have been very fortunate to work with you in the Office of Tibet for, for several years. For our audience who might not be as familiar with the Office of Tibet, can you give us a little bit of background on what your office does and kind of tell us what, what your role is here? The Office of Tibet uh, I mean, uh, functions more like a quasi-embassy of the Central Tibetan administration and its main responsibilities uh, advocacy of Tibet issue and, and, and the website for Office of Tibet DC, the jurisdiction is United States and North America, uh, Canada. And that's one of the main responsibility. And, and as I mentioned before, ICT uh, shares the same mission, but wears a different hat. I mean, of uh, what's an NGO registered uh, member driven organization, but our goal and mission is state. And, and, and uh, there are many other which organizations that are doing their part for us. Since City A is more or less the legitimate representative authority of the Tibetan people, and and uh, don't want to take too much time about the legitimacy or the history of the Central Tibetan Administration. But I'll say one thing: His Holiness, when he devolved his political power in 2011, he was uh, being a visionary because if he's when it comes a time when he's no more, then he wants the Tibetan movement to continue. And he has said many times, this institution will remain as long as the Tibet issue is not resolved. When the Tibet issue is resolved, the Tibetan inside Tibet will decide what kind of future uh, 
system or governance they want to have. Until then, the exal, uh, Tibetan uh, administration will continue that movement. And democracy is the only way we can sustain our movement. And that's how we're going. And that's uh, how I mean, CTA basically operates. Thank you. Thank you so much, Namgala. And uh, it really is an honor and a lot of fun for all of us, I think, to to work with you and other CTA staff as the legitimate representatives of the Tibetan people and to work hand in hand toward our shared goals. And so we, we thank you so much for being here. Thank, thank you, you, Franz, as well, for this excellent discussion about the Resolve Tibet Act. I hope this was informative for all of you listening and watching from home. And again, please visit our website to learn more about the bill. It's www.savetibet.org slash occupation for more info about the bill and www.savetibet.org slash resolve Tibet to sign our petition. So thank you, everyone. Uh, but before we go, I do have some very exciting news that I am delighted to share with all of you. So as Namigala kind of hinted at, ICT will soon have a new full-time president, and that president is none other than our own Tencha Gatsala. Tenshala, I know that I speak for people across ICT's community of compassion when I say congratulations. And in fact, I have a statement here from our chairman, Richard Gere, saying the ICT could not be prouder. Richard says, I've known Tensho for decades. Her commitment to Tibet and to the Tibetan people's struggle is profound. She is a skillful navigator whose values truly represent the core of ICT. To witness the respect and trust she's earned with Capitol Hill staff and members, the administration and the Central Tibetan administration in Dharamsala. Her work is deeply rooted in a long history of principled service to the community, and it is an honor to consider her a friend. And it's an honor for all of us at ICT now to have you as our new president. So congratulations, Tentula. And just yesterday, one more thing to add here, this was very exciting news for us. The Speaker Emerita, Nancy Pelosi, one of the most distinguished leaders in U.S. history, responded to our announcement of Tenchala's hiring by tweeting, congratulations to Ms. Tencho Gatso, the new president of Save Tibet Org. At a critical moment for preserving Tibetans' faith, language, culture, and freedom, she brings a, record, a strong record of activism, experience, and an unbreakable commitment to the people of Tibet. It's a very high praise from someone who all of us really respect greatly in the Tibet movement, Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Tencho, you will officially take the reins at ICT in just a few days, starting on Monday, April 3rd. But before then, would you like to share a few words with our audience here on Tibet Talks? You're putting me on a spot here, but I'm really humbled uh, to be able to serve in this capacity. I had the honor to serve at ICT for almost 15 years. I, and what gives me courage as I take this on is that I'm not doing anything alone. We have so many friends from all levels of society, from our chairman to speaker Nancy Pelosi to my colleagues at ICT, our board members, our friends at um, uh, CTA, our Tibetan communities, and all of our ICT members around. I think um, it is only when we are together as a team that we can accomplish the best work um, uh, for Tibet. And then I think Lobby Day was a sign of that when you don't, you know, it doesn't matter um, where you're coming from, what state you're from, um, what organization you are from, but you work together for the um, 
same mission and the same drive. So I think to fulfill the vision of His Holiness for Tibet and for the people of Tibet. And I think that's most important. So I hope I will have all of your support and all the listeners, all of your support uh, for us as an organization to work together, push the Tibet movement forward. Thanks so much, Tenshala. Congratulations and very well deserved. And we look forward to continuing the momentum that we've built when your presidency begins next week. And we look forward to getting the promoting a resolution to the Tibet-China Conflict Act passed in Congress. So thank you again to Namgyala and Franz and congratulations and thank you again to Tenshala. Uh, with that, we really are out of time now. And so I'd like to thank you all again, all of you who are watching and listening from home. We will be back next month with another episode of Tibet Talks. But until then, as our first guest on the show, Professor Tenzin Dorji Lai likes to say, stay safe, stay well, and stay active. Jujuche. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tibet Talks. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Learn more at savetibet.org slash pod. To find out how you can get involved in our efforts to promote human rights and democratic freedoms for the people of Tibet, please visit savetibet.org slash support. Thank you, and see you next time on Tibet Talks.